Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch podcast is a producer's perspective, and I'm joined by Russ Anderson from near Hyannis, Nebraska, to talk about his spring and fall calving herds and how he uses those with the resources they have there in the Sandhills. Thanks again for joining me today, Russ. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Russ, as we uh, dive into tonight's topic, before we get into the details about your spring and fall calving herd, how that came about, uh, just give us a brief overview of how you got involved in the operation there, a little bit of history, and how you arrived at where you are today. Um, yeah, back in uh, 2002, we had uh, we were fencing full time and had a little had a hay contract where we just mowed hay, and uh, we're looking for uh, management or uh, jobs or branches that we might be able to buy into partner with and um don clace was uh getting it getting older uh, when i say getting older he was in his oh mid 70s and um his kids none of them wanted to uh come back i went and asked if we if he wanted to partner up and he said uh, yeah he did and and uh so we we worked together for about six months and decided we could get along. So we uh, we took what few cows we had and some of our equipment and used that as collateral to start in and buy in on Bonifield Cattle Company. And we are still here 21 years later. Out Hopefully this year we can get close to having all the partners bought out and the ground is uh, owned by a family that lives in Houston, Texas, and it's been in that family name for well, getting close to 100 years. We're just, we lease the ground from them, and we own all the cows and equipment, or Bonifield Cattle Company does, I guess, and so it's worked out real good. We were able to uh, buy in on the ranch that we kind of had skin in the game or shares, that, and we, we could grow our assets and be our own bosses and and Don, it gave him a way to, he didn't have to retire. He could just slow down. And he, uh, he stayed on the ranch until the last 10 days. He, has, uh, he had cancer there at the end. And he was able to just do what he want when he wanted, and which was fine with us. It worked out for both of us. Yeah, that's a pretty neat, unique story. And uh, for folks who might be interested to hear more about that, I actually had an interview with Russ back in June of 2019, where he goes into a little more detail of, of what happened with that. And then also some transition that went along with changing some calving dates and things like that, moving from a early March to a late April calving season on a spring cows. But tonight I'd like to kind of focus on, you have both a spring and a fall calving herd. And when I say spring, it's late April, May, and then you start calving on your fall cows, late August, first September. That's pretty unique. I think in the Sandhills, not many people have a fall calving herd. I guess talk about what led you to do that, how long you've had that herd, and then I think just the pros and cons you see of a spring and a fall herd and how that fits your operation there. Yeah, our ranch is, it's not so much unique to our little area around Hyannis or, or the, some of the, a lot of the sand hills, but uh, around the, the rest of the country, it kind of is. We've got uh, really sandy hills, but then we have really wet 
swampy ground that grows cattails and rushes and even our sub-irrigated meadows get get really wet sometimes and especially uh, the previous not so much last year but the previous four years from that where we had a lot of ground the water came up so high that we couldn't even uh, we couldn't hay with you know where there was three four inches of water standing in it all summer and then we had other places that were uh is really uh it wasn't really conducive to hand. It was uh, rough ground or wasn't very good uh, to get equipment in on. So uh, my thought was that we could lock some cows in on that. And, and uh, we had uh, some younger cows the one year that I kind of experimented with. I don't think there was only, there wasn't even a load. I think it was 20 head. But uh, my theory was that uh, if we couldn't uh, hay that ground, that our cows could uh, we could draw, lock dry cows out on it and basically just let them kind of be our weed eaters and clear up that ground. The, the cattails and rushes and some of that swampy grass isn't doesn't do very good for cattle gain for as far as putting yearlings out or pears. They just they can't. It's kind of washy, but it it does all right for just a cow that you're not really you're just trying to maintain her. You're not trying to put any weight on. So we got some electric string and, and uh, fiberglass posts, and we started fencing out all those little swampy areas, and we rotate them through starting about the 1st of May, sometimes the middle of April, depending on the year, and we'll run them through there, all those areas, until about the middle of August, and uh, depending on the year. And uh, then we'll get them out and head to uh, pastures to let them start calving. They'll stay out and graze until the snow starts flying and we're getting ready to start supplementing them a little bit then when we will breed them about the 15th of november and we'll leave our bulls in for about 45 days last year we left them the bulls in for you know it was it was from the middle of november clear till i think it was the first of march but that that was just as as much to help keep the bulls from freezing their testicles as much as anything um, when they're in with the cows it, they, it helps because we were feeding so much to the pears to keep them going and uh, it worked we only lost one bull where some operations lost a lot of them but the uh, pregnancy rate on the cows was, was awful it, they come in a little thinner than I would have liked because we had to push them through the drought and then uh, then you top it right on to all the cold and snow and wind it just they were they couldn't hardly cycle enough to, to breed back that's part of the risk on fall calves you're you're taking a cow that couldn't get uh couldn't get pregnant or couldn't maintain a pregnancy when she was on uh, green grass and you take her to the winter like that and we had a huge uh, huge fallout on the upside we sold the cows in march and they were uh they brought a great price and way up in march were really good that helped it helped on that side. We still we still made a little money on them. So your system right now is basically you've got your spring herd and then any cows that fall out of that from a non-pregnancy issue, you give them a second chance for your fall herd. But anything that's in your fall herd basically goes goes to market. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They get one chance. And and all the all the calves out of the fall herd are terminal, so they, they all get sold. And the theory is you're trying to prove the fertility of the spring herd. I've got some older cows in the fall herd that I probably 
didn't have to push them very hard. I don't like to keep anything older than six, just for the fact that some of the swamps we go through get they get kind of some soft areas. So it takes a stronger young cow to kind of work through some of the spring holes and the mud and the muck getting through there. It's not very much, but we've had to go out and pull them out. It, it's a little harder on them. Younger cows can do it easy enough. We've never had to pull a young cow out, but and then you go in the winter especially like last winter you know that old cow they can't maintain their body weight like a younger cow can it's just a little harder on them in cold winters so basically you've got a 45 day breeding season on your spring herd and then do you preg check those spring cows or do you just expose uh, those cows again and let uh, whatever's not pregnant have another chance or we take our spring cows we started uh, taking them to corn stalks so we'll preg check them and then uh, keep the fall cows here at home, and we'll just throw them in with the fall pairs and, and then uh, breed them again. And that another reason we did it was uh, instead of thinking like one bull 25 or I was going with 33, I tried to go three bulls per 100 cows. But now instead of covering 33, if you can get, you don't have to buy as many bulls. You can run, if you could run 50% spring and 50% fall, you'd only have to have half as many bulls. And that helps for price. You can either get more mileage out of the bulls you have, you're using now. And if you want to, you know, you can afford to spend a little more on bulls if you want. You can justify spending a little more because you're getting a lot more calves out of him. On your fall program now, and I realize you just had a hard winter and you lost a lot of your fall cows, but what's kind of the breakdown in terms of the percent of your cow herd that's spring versus fall cows? We were two-thirds two-thirds and a third working up you know cutting down the spring herd and just I was because I really when you cut, go for 45 days and you kind of push it that it'll push on your fertility so they drop out we were building up our fall herd but now that's probably we'll see what this fall is right now we're about we're just under 400 head spring cows and 60 fall cows so we'll see what our preg check does this fall we'll uh we had a lot of heifer pairs this year, more than we've had for a long time. And coming through last winter, I'm sure our preg rate on them heifer pairs is going to be pretty poor. And uh, But they'll go right into the fall herd and they'll get another chance there. It's kind of nice. It, I like it just because you can push your cows and build your fertility for, I'm trying to build a more fertile herd, which, you know, it just doesn't happen overnight. If I can keep building, working on that fertility, theoretically, I can drop my input costs down the years down the road. But then uh, I can recoup my losses on the spring herd by putting her in the fall herd. And I don't worry about the fertility on the fall cows. So they get fed a lot better, which they, they kind of need it. But uh, on normal years, um, after we pull the bulls there after the first of the year, the cows, we if we can, generally, we just cake and range, and it's not very much cake. And uh, I've built little feeders with lick tubs in them to kind of, it's kind of like creeping your calves and get them through. And it, the calves, they'll pull them cows down pretty good, but they have all spring and summer to kind of pick back up. And that's kind of where we try to save on the all cows. We don't, some people feed them all winter long, but I only feed them well, about two weeks before we're start breeding and we'll feed them all the way through breeding and then and then that's the calves are they kind of have to fend for themselves and that's where i try to kind of make up for the feed bill 
this year we'll be able to do it again where we rotate our spring herd to the pastures. Usually the pastures we rotate through with a spring herd that a lot of them pastures grow back. So then we, uh, when the spring cows go to corn stalks, we can rotate them fall pairs through them pastures again. And there's usually enough forage that's grown back into those fall pastures. And that, that helps us on our feed bill cost. And then we use, try to market the calves. We try to get them out of here around the 1st of August, depending on uh, what we had. Now this year we were on the fence for it was getting started out dry. So we were going to, we were just about to sell them all. And then it started raining and we had, it turned out we had plenty of grass. So then fall calves, we wean them about the 1st of April and the cows, they go, they get locked onto the swamp starting in or some high areas that has a little more forage. And then the calves, they get put out with the uh, replacement heifers and uh, the light steers. I use that as my uh, drought plan. If, you know, if it's going to be dry, they can go to town anytime from, you know, May or June to, you know, laying weighing pretty light, but they can go. And then uh, it leaves me grass for our yearlings and, and our pears if we need it. Those fall calves that are you're carrying basically almost a whole year, what will they weigh when they go to, to sale there late, late August? Oh, um, they're going to be, the steers are weighing around six and the heifers are about five and a half, you know, here about the first of August. They're not, they're not very big, but uh, we don't have much in them either. I do. We're kind of, a. I try to keep our operation pretty low input, so I don't have a lot of cost. I don't get a lot out of them, but I don't have very much in them either. So the cost anymore. It's getting so high that you got to really watch the inputs. If you're a high input operation, you got to have high prices to make make everything work. Which is last year, this year, and probably next year, you're making money. But then after that, it, it might start getting tight again. And if you have to borrow money, the interest rates are coming up. So where you know we don't, if you don't, uh, we're not paying any interest, and we don't we don't owe anything on them, so they don't have to be outstanding. You know, as far as some places they sell, they sell some pretty big fall calves, but uh, they've got a lot of money into them too. Talk about when you take a spring cow and you roll her to your fall herd and you said mostly you're just rolling those young cows. How many more calves will you get out of them? Will you get one or two? Or I know, again, it varies by the year, but on average, how many more calves do you get out of a cow when you roll her? Oh, you know, a lot of them, we've got... We'll probably get on average. We'll probably get another four calves, you know, and I, and that's just average. I've got some, you know, that there's a reason they couldn't, they didn't have it. To, you know, they couldn't get, they either didn't get pregnant or couldn't hold the pregnancy the first time or second time, you know. So they they fall right out. But I've got some, I've had some ten, twelve year old cows out there that you know they were. We have to kind of watch them, and I try not to keep them in there, but I just. I kind of experiment with them a little bit. If as long as they kind of hold their hold their uh, condition and are staying good, I'll I'll leave them in there. But you know, so some of those cows they might give you they might give you seven or eight more calves. Yeah, that's that's really pretty significant in my mind. You think about the cost to develop a heifer, and then you know she comes up open as a three, and you market her as an open cow versus now you can roll her to this fall herd, and she's got a little bit of time to 
get some flesh on her before you breed her then as a fall cow. And uh, from what you've shared, that's that's probably really an advantage for you. Yeah. And like for us, I think that what really helps is uh, we've got ground that we don't we can't really do anything with. It's too wet to hay. And but yet it won't really put on any weight. But you can lock those fall cows out on that. And so I'm running those cows from May, June, July, and, you know, maybe part of August, three to three and a half months for, uh, for the price that it takes my time to go out and put up an electric screen. And that otherwise that ground is kind of wasted. So, I mean, we're, uh, and it, and it changes year to year. I've had years where, uh, we had a big swamp. We have about 200 acres. It used to be just cattails and rushes, and we were grazing a lot of that. But then the water came up, and that all turned to four foot of water. So that run us clear out of there. But if the what if the water goes back down, I might be able to take in cows. But it's just a different income stream, and uh, we're running cows for three months for like I said for just the cost of our time to put up we're still paying taxes on that real estate and it's a way to get some return out of it so like you've said it really is an opportunity for utilize for you to utilize it i guess just allows you to leverage that that resource i mean as you think about your swamp ground in the summer and i know it really varies from year to year but i mean how many how many acres of that swampy ground does it take to feed a cow for that three three and a half months oh and that's (laughs) it depends like uh this year, I'm going to say it's not very much. I'm, I've never figured that, but you know, some years it's only a couple acres, or you know, you you kick them out up on pasture ground, and it you know it might be ten, especially for a pair. But the ground, if you can rotate some of that swampy ground, and we'd sell graze it, so I mean, you can beat it up, and they'll go out there, and then it comes right back. So you can hit it. Sometimes you can hit it twice. You get grazed through it and come back around and you can hit it again, especially that stuff that you touch early. But uh, yeah, you're, it just depends on the year. I mean, and, and every year since we've been doing it for seven years, I can't, there's only been a few of them years that it was the same. It was the same this year. There was ground that uh, we, we needed more cows. You know, I probably looking back, I should have taken in a couple hundred cows just because we, we had a bunch of stuff that I thought we would be able to hay. But looking at what the the way it was going, we were in the drought last year, and I thought I'd, I didn't know if I was going to be haying anything. I thought because we didn't have any really aftergrowth or regrowth from last year because we had to take most everything. And I thought we were going to be grazing the meadows completely with just the spring pairs, and I'd be selling fall cows and yearlings and liquidating clear down and weaning early. But then the middle of well, the late part of June, it started raining, and then we had we had abundance of grass. But it's it's too late to, to be taking in cows, you know, the last of June or middle of June or anything like that. But uh, but it's better to have hay grass left over, forages left over, than it is to run out. So really, what I hear you saying is you adjust where those cows graze basically every year with your temporary poly wire and posts based on where the water table is and what's happening with that. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So I know for some folks are going to be thinking, boy, that sounds like a lot of work. I mean, are you out there with your hip waders building fence? What's that look like? I guess just talk about what that looks like for you 
the cows respect the fence, you know, what's, what's involved with that for you logistically? Oh yeah. Well, it's, you got to have chest waders on for some of that stuff. I've found out a cow, I've had cows that will wade halfway up to their bellies and eat up to almost to their eyeballs dipping out in through some of that water. I don't know what they're chasing, but they're eating something that they'll, they'll, they, once they get used to it and I've had them, we've had some spots that were uh, covered in uh, that's kind of a willow brush. You know, it gets, it only, it's not a tree, but it gets, it's just a willowy stuff and it gets about eight, 10 foot tall and, covers the ground and they'll get out in there and they'll they'll take them out they'll start once you get them making them to eat that stuff they get in there and start eating them down and now i've had we've recovered some areas of that stuff that it was uh it wasn't really good for anything it it got so dense that it was crowding all the grasses out underneath it and uh the cows got in there and between them eating the leaves they've kind of they we've recovered some areas that's now that we've grazed we can graze them through there and in the spring cows when we come into that that stuff will come the regrowth comes back and it's nice and lush and the calves the spring calves when you come back through there they they go right to it and does they do good on it on you know that now that it's grass and regrowth but uh yeah there's places that we go out and we're crossing water you got to take a six foot fiberglass post to keep it up out of the water to cross some of the little low spots but yeah they it's it's amazing what they what you if you make them do it and once they get on it, animal husbandry wise I question my motives sometimes. Look at them because they get a little thin, but you know a dry cow you can she can be in a body condition score of four and you know there by the first of August and you turn her out up on some high ground and you know fifteen two weeks or three weeks later she's you know she's pushing a six and has her calf and goes right on and then she's in that inclining condition and she breeds right back that helps and don't like the cows doing that but after a few years you know then they don't even get that thin because they go right in there to, and eat that and eat that stuff the undesirables and they they don't think anything about it i've seen them go right in there and eat them right along with the grass that's underneath it just because they're used to eating it my uh, temporary fencing is a four-wheeler and chest waders and running poly wire around some of these water holes it's really unconventional but it works yeah i was gonna say you know to me from what you described your cows your fall calving herd really does a number of things for you it allows you to use some feed that you otherwise wouldn't allows you to take uh especially young cows that didn't get bred in your short spring breeding season get some more calves out of them uh, spread your bulls out gives you kind of a another drought I'd say set of cattle that you can disperse if you want to. So they kind of fill a number of things for you in terms of complementing your spring herd. Yeah. Some of them, some guys will leave the bulls in for 60 or 90 days on a spring herd, wanting everything to get bred. But I just, I want to tighten that group up to keep our calves tighter and maybe able to, to push the fertility. Well, that's what I'm looking for is fertility in, in the spring herd and, you can't look at a cow and know if she's fertile or not. You know, if you, you take any group of cows, every group of cows has a bottom end, which ones aren't that are going to take more feed. And if you if you feed to get every one of them pregnant, you're probably going back backwards financially. So this is just a way for us to kind of push 
saves a little money on the spring herd and, and exposes those infertile cows, which then uh, we're not, uh, but then we recoup our costs on the, on the other, on the, with the fall herd. And it's like you say, it, we can run more numbers just because we're utilizing more of the forages on for what we have. Well, Russ, I really appreciate your time this evening. Thanks for just sharing what you're doing there and how you're using that fall herd in your in your operation to to complement a number of different things and make that work. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, for more information on the topic we discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, we have a number of resources on the topics we discussed tonight.